Hi, my name is Kim, and I'd like to welcome you to episode three of the Cozy Cape Cottage podcast. I am recording today on Tuesday, August 23rd, 2016. Before I get started, I would just like to thank Eva from the video podcast, The Charm of It. She gave me a very sweet mention on her Instagram. Um, she, if you are not familiar with her, she does a video podcast, like I mentioned. She's based in the U.S., though I'm not exactly sure where. Um, she has a very cute cat and dog and recent snake edition. Um, her podcast is really lovely to listen to, very relaxing. Um, she is a very detailed knitter. She knits very fine work. She also does tons of adventurous things like cables and color work. And um, she really likes kind of deconstructing patterns, writing her own. Um, you know, she's not at all afraid of knitting math. So it's pretty interesting uh, to watch. So if you haven't checked out the charm of it, you definitely should take a look. So for my knitting the past two weeks, there hasn't been a ton. I feel like that's kind of a theme for me lately, but it is what it is. Um, most of what I am working on is actually samples for some classes that I'm teaching. Uh, in the spring, I taught my first knitting class. It was Knitting 101 at a local yarn shop here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's called Wild Haven Fiber Company. Um, if you're familiar with the Milwaukee area, it's located in Bayview, which is a really nice part of town. There's a lot of good restaurants in that area. And um, we had an instructor meeting at the shop a couple of weeks ago, and we laid out all of the classes that are going to be offered this fall, and I will be teaching two classes. Uh, I am teaching a Crochet 101 class. There will be two sessions of that class. One, one is in September and one is in October. They are two and a half hour classes and we'll just go over some basics of crochet and I'll talk a little bit about what I'm planning to do for that class in, in a moment. And the other class I am teaching is called the Podster Mittens. And this is a class based on the Chili Podsters pattern by Glenna C. So the the first one I'll talk about are the Podster mitts. I've actually been working on these for several months. I think I mentioned this maybe in my first episode. I started them back in February of this year and they are actually for my husband. Um, I am knitting them out of Ella Ray Classic Wool in a navy. It's a worsted weight wool and I am working on size four needles so it's a really dense gauge so they should be nice and warm in our Wisconsin winters. Uh, so basically I knit a pair of these mitts for myself several years ago and I really like them. I like that I can access my smartphone uh, without taking my entire glove off. I like that I can flip the tops up and buckle kids in and out of their car seats without dropping my mittens. Um, anyway, I just think they're great. So when I 
tried to think of things that I might knit for my husband. He is a pretty tall guy. He runs pretty warm. So that doesn't actually leave a lot of options to knit things for him. Um, you know, he might not wear a sweater because it's too warm for him. And I don't want to knit him socks because he wears like a size 13 shoe. And I'd rather knit socks for myself. Uh, but he does wear a scarf that I knit him several years ago every single winter. So he is knit worthy for sure. Um, and I thought that some of these flip top mitts might be a good idea for him. And he thought so too. So I've been taking Glenna's pattern, which is written for two sizes, basically a woman's small and a woman's large. So the women's small fits me, but the women's large is way too small for him. So I've been modifying the pattern as I go to, you know, make the cuffs a little bit longer, make the circumference wider, all that stuff, basically just upsizing it for a man's hand. And then I also modified it um, where she had written the pattern to do basically half gloves. So each of your fingers had its own, um, finger hole. I, you know, I did that on my pair of mitts and it was fiddly to do. I mean, of course, gloves are fiddly to make. Um, but that really wasn't the worst thing. It was that I'm using worsted weight wool. Um, it feels a little tight on my fingers like there's just a bit too much bulk in between the fingers so for his version I just did um, basically a fingerless mitt instead of doing individual finger holes so it makes it go a little bit faster and I think he'll be more comfortable wearing them so I am almost finished knitting that pair for him and then I'll probably work up another sample that Kate can keep at the shop before I teach the class. I think that one will be in um, October or November so if you wanted to make them as a Christmas gift you'd still have plenty of time. But I made a pretty dumb mistake while I was knitting the right hand mitt. I did a flip top thumb on the right hand of my mittens because then, you know, I'm right-handed and if I want to navigate my smartphone with my thumb, I can just flip the top of that finger and do what I need to do and then put the thumb back down. So I was knitting that little flippy top thumb thing on his mitt while I was at knit night at Wild Haven, which was probably my mistake there. I knit the thumb correctly technically, but I did it upside down. So the thumb flips the opposite direction that I would like it to. So that was kind of annoying because I had wo woven in all of the ends while I was in progress, which I don't normally do, but in this case I did. So now I am faced with a little bit of yarn chicken and a dilemma. I just have a small ball of the wool left. So I decided to go ahead and table the thumb issue for now. And I'm knitting, I'm knitting up the flip top part of the hand so it'll cover all the fingers. And I think I have about five rounds left to go before I start the decreases for that. And um, I'm actually modifying that a little bit from the pattern to because as written, it calls for 
a tapered top and then you kitchener the top 12 or so stitches together and I I just prefer a round top to my mittens so I've modified the pattern to accommodate that as well so I just need to get through that and the amount of yarn remaining will tell me if I need to carefully rip out the the thumb or if I can just cut it off and start again uh, one person did mention that I could just snip one stitch and kind of remove that thumb tip portion that has the flippy top and just basically rotate it 180 degrees and kitchener it back together. I could do that, but I'm not really happy with the way I bound off for the thumb. I think it's a little bit tight and I'm sure my husband will think so too. So I want to rework that with a looser bind off as well and that'll just be good to work through again as I get ready to teach this class so I can give the students a lot of tips and tricks and you know make all of the mistakes that they're likely to make uh, so I can tell them about it ahead of time and hopefully they will not repeat my problems um, so the really the only other knitting project which isn't knitting it's crochet the only other yarn project I've worked on this week is um, some samples for that crochet class. Uh, it's a new class for me and for the shop, so I'm sort of designing the curriculum as I go. Curriculum is probably kind of a grand word for what I'm doing for just a two, two and a half hour class, but it is what it is. So I am using uh, Cotton Fleece by Brown Sheep Company. It is a, an 80% cotton, 20% merino blend. I'm using the terracotta colorway. It is probably a worsted weight, although it's a light worsted. I am using an H hook. The ball band calls for a size 6 needle, a US 6, which would roughly equate to a G hook, but... I actually don't have a G hook. I have almost every size, but I don't have a G. I, I typically use an H on worsted. So I figured that a new crocheter is likely to be a tight crocheter. So if we use the bigger hook, it'll probably just be easier for everybody. So I went ahead and started working up some sample dishcloth type things. They're basically swatches, but since it is cotton yarn, you could use it as a dishcloth. So that's a nice takeaway, I think, from the class. So I worked up a rectangle working back and forth. Um, I started out with double crochet, then I went to half double, and then single. So you should it should be a pretty good visual aid to show people the difference between the basic crochet stitches. And then I did a, a round dish rag. Um, and I'll use that to sort of explain um, how you would start that. I used a magic ring technique, which I really like because it closes up that hole pretty tightly in the center. And then we can talk about the ratios of how you um, expand circularly. Because I think crochet is really great for hats. I've worked up a bunch of kid hats that way. And you would basically, they all start the same way. You know, you do two double crochets into every stitch on the first round. And then the second round, you do 
one double crochet and then two into the next stitch and you repeat it and then the next round is double crochet into the first two stitches and then two into the third stitch and so on so it kind of spirals out um, I think that's a pretty good foundation for a new crocheter to learn um, and then I also did a granny square which I don't do a lot of granny squares so I had to look it up but I think um, in a 101 class it's a pretty classic pattern you know you could use it for dishcloths afghans some people make garments out of you know granny square construction so I think if you're going to learn crochet you should at least be familiar with granny square construction so I did one of those and all of these samples measure probably six inches or so across and I still have a fair bit of that original skein of yarn left so that's pretty good yardage out of one skein of yarn um, so I'm pretty happy with that I'm just going to block those samples and I'm not sure if I'll weave in the ends yet or not I might leave them loose just so you can see where I started and stopped but on the other hand I might weave them in because they'll they'll live at the shop as samples so ends hanging out isn't that nice to look at um, and so that is about I think all of the knitting and crocheting I've done in the past two weeks or so since I spoke to you last I did do an unexpected bit of spinning um, I don't know if I've mentioned I might have mentioned my wheel. Um, I got a Woolmaker's Bliss wheel this past winter. I had heard about it on the Little Bobbins podcast. Um, it's a video podcast hosted by Danny. She is located in England, and she does just beautiful work. Um, it's one of my favorite podcasts to watch, so I'm sure that you have uh, listened or watched her show if you are listening to this, you are probably into podcasts and you watched her show. But if you haven't, you should definitely check it out. Um, so I got this uh, spinning wheel back sometime this winter. It's called a Woolmaker's Bliss Twin Treadle. It is white. It's very modern looking. I love it. Um, I started out on a single treadle wheel and that worked fine for me, but now that I've moved to this double treadle, I really prefer it. I like the amount of control it gives me. I can easily go, you know, clockwise for spinning and counterclockwise for plying. And um, I don't know, it's very intuitive. I like it a lot. Um, so I had divided a four ounce, um, I don't know what you call it. I guess it was comb top Corridale from the Woolery that I had ordered maybe two, two years ago or so when I first started spinning. I had ordered a bunch of sample fiber and I'm slowly working my way through that. So this Corydale was one of those initial purchases. It's just a straight chocolate brown. Um, it's not, it's probably not hand painted or anything like that. There's really no variegation in the color. Um, so I had divided the four ounces into three equal sections 
and I was spinning them each to one bobbin with the end goal of making a three-ply yarn. And this was my first three-ply yarn because my original wheel only came with three total bobbins. So if you're winding off of two bobbins, you're plying onto that third bobbin, and that's all your bobbins unless you go to storage or something, storage bobbins. So when I ordered the Woolmakers Bliss, it has an onboard Lazy Kate, so all of your bobbins are stored right there on the side of the wheel, and you can ply right from those. You don't need any additional equipment, which I thought was really nice. And since I was shipping it from the Netherlands, it wasn't very much to add on a second set of bobbins. It came with three. And then, um, you know, I added the second set. So I have a total of five bobbins. And, uh, yeah, so in the last week or two, I finally spun up that third, um, that third section of the original four ounces. And I let it rest for a couple of days. And then on Sunday night, I finished paying some bills and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to apply it up. I'm going to see what happens. Um, so yeah, I went ahead and did that and it worked great. It just took me, I don't know, a couple minutes to get used to pulling all, pulling off of my bobbins from in front of me. The other times I've plied, which is a grand total of like five. So it's not like I have a ton of experience, but those other times I did it, I set the Kate, my lazy Kate behind me. So the fiber was all coming from that direction. So it was just a little bit of an adjustment to um, get used to the yarn coming from the front. But the wheel worked great. I was just able to fit all four ounces onto a single bobbin, um, most of it. Obviously, I didn't uh, divide everything exactly evenly, so one bobbin ran out first, but it filled that bobbin almost to capacity. But, but it all fit, and the wheel didn't really seem to be struggling with it. I just had to increase the brake band tension a little bit towards the end. And then I tried to do some chain plying of the little bits that were left on my other two bobbins. It wasn't terribly successful because I was trying to do it from memory from the only other time I've chain plied. And believe it or not, I could not really remember how it was supposed to look. So halfway through mangling the little bits of singles, I did look up a quick YouTube video and figured it out. But by that point, I was basically out of like uh, out of singles anyway so it didn't really matter but I have not yet wound the yarn off of the bobbin onto my knitting knotty or anything like that so I don't know how much yardage I've gotten I don't really know what weight it, it is either it might be a light worsted it's definitely not fingering so if my goal is to spin for socks anytime soon I need a lot more practice on thinner drafting but all in all, I would say I'm pretty happy with the consistency of the yarn. There were some thick and thin spots, but overall, I think it's fairly consistent. So I'm pretty proud of that. And that being said, 
all of the yarn I've worked on so far, all the spinning I've done has been from solid color fiber. So I have purchased a couple of those more fun hand-painted braids, and I think I'm ready to graduate to one of those for my next project. So I'll keep you posted on that. Um, I don't know if I mentioned last time, but I did end up selling my original wheel. It was a Pesig wheel. It was handmade by a Milwaukee wheel maker probably in the 80s. And I ended up selling it to a lovely raveler who brought her crew up from Chicago to take a look at it. And there was a moment there where I thought that it wasn't going to go because there was a bit of fiber stuck between um, between the bobbin and, um, I don't know what you call it, like <laughs> the post where the the bobbin attaches to the spinning wheel. I'm sorry, I'm, the word is escaping me. But anyway, there was some fiber jammed where it shouldn't have been jammed. And it wasn't spinning at all. And I was nervous that it had somehow broken between the last time I used it and when this potential buyer was taking a look at it. But she was able to clean it up. And luckily, she was an experienced spinner. So she was able to kind of get used to the quirks of the wheel pretty quickly. And so... um my old wheel has gone off to a new home in Illinois, and I did receive a little message from her after the sale that um, said she's really enjoying it. So I'm happy with that. Um, you know, I don't like to have a lot of extra things hanging around, so it was nice to get that wheel off to its new home. Um, so for sewing, I did a little bit of sewing this week. It wasn't necessarily in my plans, but I had um, a little movie play date on Sunday get canceled, so I texted my friend to see if she wanted to get together to work on our bras, and she was available, so I brought my sewing machine over to her house. I think that's the first time I've actually done that, like brought my sewing equipment to another place to do a, a sewing date. Um, but it worked out really well. She's got a nice room set up. And our kids miraculously played quietly. and well, Maybe not quietly, but they played well together for a couple of hours and let us get some work done. So that was really nice. The only other time we've gotten together to sew, it did not go so well. I'll just leave it at that. She got some things done. I got zero things done that time. So it was nice to actually make a little bit of progress this time. Um, I think I mentioned last time that we are using the Sweet 16 bra pattern by the Pinup Girls. And we are using um, the Sandra option, which is all fabric cups with a foam lining. Um, the pattern is going well so far. I will say that we did not finish, but we were going kind of slow because this is new to both of us. Um, you know, we had neither of us had ever sewn on the foam lining before. And here's a pro tip: um, the pattern is marked with little notches, obviously, so that you can match up your pattern pieces. If you have any familiarity with sewing, you should, that should make some sense. Um, and normally, when you come across a notch 
on the pattern you do a little clip into your fabric and then it makes it easy to match those little clips up between your pattern pieces and normally you use you have a seam allowance of a quarter inch or five eighths inch or whatever the pattern calls for and you make that little notch less than your seam allowance so once you sew your seam the little notch is basically it's hidden in the seam allowance and it doesn't come through to your fabric when you're sewing this cut and sew foam you basically don't overlap the edges at all there is no seam allowance and you just do a zigzag stitch across you know the the seam you butt the two pieces together you just zigzag across them and they're held together at the end. And it, I, I was surprised at how easily it worked out. But if you cut the notches, you end up with a hole. You end up with a hole in a place where you don't really want a hole on a bra. And I'll just leave it at that. So needless to say, I sewed two sets of foam lining cuts. Because I did not want a hole there. Um, the other thing that we... We had sort of a lesson learned is we ordered a whole bunch of um, supplies and I can't remember offhand where we ordered and she actually did the ordering so I don't even have the invoice but I think it was maybe sweet cup supply or so sassy supply I don't know there's not that many places online to order um, bra making supplies for so it, it was something like that but you know, we ordered all the clips and the foam and you know, the outside fabric, and we also did a lining fabric because, you know, it just seemed, seemed like a good idea. And the lining fabric is so sheer. I basically kept calling it like a whisper, like a wisp of a fabric. If you, you know, exhaled on it too strongly, it felt like it was going to disintegrate. So... It was really difficult to cut and then you know it it sewed okay I it worked fine on my machine she was having a little bit of trouble with it getting kind of pulled down into the bobbin area and getting jammed in her machine so it was not very fun to sew with and then we basically got to the point of making the sandwich of the foam and the outer satin fabric and the lining and I was trying to pin them together and smooth out any wrinkles and it was really pretty time-consuming and pretty frustrating and she was just so over this lightweight lining fabric at that point that she made a comment that oh I might as well just use this leopard print lining that was sitting around from a dress she had made earlier in the summer and I looked at it and I thought yeah that's a really good idea let's do that because my outer fabric which was a thicker stretch satin that was going over the cup nice and smooth no problem and that inner lining fabric was kind of a beast it was just sliding all over the place and I mean it wasn't going to show since it's on the inside but I don't know it may not even have been uncomfortable but it was really a pain in the butt to try to sandwich those things together so we both threw off threw away the little sheer lining fabric and we opted to use this dress lining fabric instead. So 
It may not even be necessary, but it'll look cute. It'll be a nice, fun little lining touch on the inside. Um, so at that point, it was about 5 o'clock on Sunday, and her husband was um, trying to figure out what to make for dinner, and I just thought, you know, that was the other thing. I brought my sewing machine with me, but I didn't check which foot I had attached, and I had my quarter-inch foot which basically means I can sew a quarter inch seam really nicely because it has a little guide on the edge that keeps that accurate for me and that's what this pattern called for. But I can't do any zigzagging with that foot or it will break my needle. Basically there's just a small opening in the center of the foot so if you wanna do a zigzag you need a standard foot. So I was zigzagging the foam on my friend's machine but I didn't want to take over her machine to do the zigzagging around the whole kind of bra cup sandwich. That's how you attach all the pieces together is you zigzag around the edges. And I don't want to take up her machine time doing that for mine. Um, so I just decided at that point that I would pack up all my stuff and try to finish at home. But it's Tuesday now and I haven't touched it. So I don't know. Maybe next weekend I'll have a chance to work on it again. There's no rush or timeline to finish it, so, you know, that's fine. It was nice to get started. Um, it was less overwhelming to do it with a friend to kind of help us decode the pattern pieces and the sizes and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, the funny thing about this is that you know, my husband heard that I was going over to my girlfriend's house to sew bras, and I think he has not exactly an accurate picture of what getting together to sew bras might look like. I think in his mind, it might be a little bit like those teen movie sleepover fantasies where there's pillow fights and that kind of thing. No. It's basically a, just like any other sewing date where you cut things, you cut things out wrong, you sew things, you sew them wrong, you rip them out. It's just a normal sewing project, hon. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry to burst your bubble. Um, so with that, that is about all of the crafty endeavors that I've had over the past two weeks. Um, sorry, I should have said this at the top of the show. If you are a new listener. I hope you like what you heard. Um, if you are returning, thank you so much for coming back and giving me a listen. If you want to get in touch with me, I am Cozy Cape Cottage pretty much everywhere on all the social media. I am Cozy Cape Cottage on Ravelry and Instagram. Um, I also have a Facebook page. I, um, I just use my personal profile. It's Kim Frere dot facebook.com k-i-m-f-r-e-r um there's you know nothing terribly private or scandalous over there so but if you wanted to be my facebook friend that would be fun too um and if you want to send me an email if you have any comments or questions or criticism any of that is fine i'm cozy cape cottage at gmail.com um, and if you want to keep in touch for future episodes, you can go ahead and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, again, I would just like to thank you for listening and I will talk to you soon.
Bye.